Well, please do keep your Bibles open there in Acts uh, chapter 1. <clears throat> and let me ask you, have you ever been there at the beginning of something? At the beginning. It can be really exciting being there at the beginning of something. Uh, Raluca asked a question before where no one put their hand up. Uh, let me see if I ask a question, if it works the other way. Who's ever been on a plane trip? Yeah? Yeah, just about all of us. Uh, well, for some of us here, you might be able to take your mind back to when the jumbo jet first came out. This is not going to work at night, church. Uh, the Boeing 747, it revolutionised plane travel. It, it could move more people around more comfortably, more cheaply. And all these years later, uh, are you someone who has memories of the first time you saw one? Did you ever imagine how the whole thing, and wait for it, this is for Chris Whitten's benefit, how the whole thing would take off? Bad puns, thanks Chris. Uh, here's another one, all of us have been part of families. Uh, many of us have had our own families. When you look back now, how much has happened because of that beginning? Uh, Here's an extremely gorgeous photo uh, because of the, the woman involved, and that's what I used to look like when I had hair. Uh, I remember saying my wedding vows, take you as my wife, sickness and health, uh, richer, poorer, both shall live. Now, it's fair to say that I had no idea what, I, what that would really mean at the time, uh, but as it turned out, so many highs and challenges have flowed out of that beginning. And as we've heard Acts read today, it's clear that Luke, who wrote it, knew he was recording the beginning of something huge. Of course, not the first thing God had done, but the beginning of the greatest and last phase of everything he had ever promised. And what better time to be looking at the beginning of Acts than the week after Easter, after celebrating the risen Lord Jesus, uh, considering what's next, what happened after that. Acts is great because we can draw a direct line from what God made happen in Acts then to what God is making happen among us in our world and in our lives today. Uh, it's not a line that means every experience and event then will be exactly the same for us today. We're not still at the beginning. Things have progressed a long way in distance and in numbers. But this is how what God's doing in the world now began. At the centre of it all, unsurprisingly, is the risen Lord Jesus Christ. As we read from verse 1, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Luke who wrote this, he'd also written the Gospel of Luke, two volumes. In the first one, he'd recorded the world-transforming events of Jesus coming and going. But do you notice the way he speaks here? Uh, I wrote about all that Jesus began 
to do and teach. If that's what Jesus began, what do you expect this book to be about? I'm expecting it to be what he continued to do and teach. In fact, while this book is traditionally called the book of Acts, uh, or the Acts of the Apostles, maybe it would be better to be called the Acts of the Risen Lord Jesus. You see, this isn't a different thing from what God was doing through Jesus' suffering and resurrection. There's a continuity uh, in that it's still all about the kingdom of God, the kingdom Jesus first preached before his suffering, which Luke implies he continued to teach after he rose from the dead. So then, what's the difference? Uh, What's the difference between the kingdom preached in Luke and here in Acts? Well, in Acts, uh, from this point, he won't be physically present. But he goes so another can come. The gift of the Father, the promised Holy Spirit, verse 5. Just a quick aside, you'll see this repeated in Acts and it happens in in the rest of the New Testament where we speak of God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit Uh, and and there's only one God but we talk about the Father, the Son and the Spirit and that can mess with your head, can't it? And yet, well, take encouragement from this, it took the uh, early Christians 300 years to work out a way where they could sort of express that to one another uh, in a way that was consistent with what God revealed. We stand on their shoulders. But this is God as he's revealed himself. Uh, God is three distinct persons within the one God relating to one another for eternity, fulfilling distinct but complementary roles in the unfolding story of salvation history. And here is where the Father and the Son uh, step forward the Spirit. Anyway, with everything that's taken place, it's not surprising in verse 6 that the disciples ask if Jesus is going to restore the kingdom of Israel. That's what they were expecting. Uh, That's what Jesus' coming as Messiah suggested to them. After all, God had promised, and you read it in Isaiah and the other prophets, God had promised the day when he would come himself. When the king of the kingdom would come and restore Israel to greatness in his plans. And as far as the disciples could see, all the ducks were now lined up. That day had arrived. But Jesus wants to adjust their expectations. Uh, And so he says this to them in response, reading from verse 7. He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is what's now to take place. First, they won't know the times or dates when God the Father will finally wrap everything up. Uh, it's certainly further away than now, now for them, even now for us. They're going to need to wait. Uh, They're going to need to rely on God's timing without having it explained to them. And they're going to need to trust God in that. Uh, Whether you were an apostle then or one of us today, that's a common element of living for the king, isn't it? 
Uh, things don't happen when we would choose. Uh, God, in his plans, delays things that we look forward to. I mean, otherwise they wouldn't be called promises, would they? They'd just be called fulfilled. But this is how he grows us more like Jesus. Uh, whether it's through waiting or through suffering and even through joys, this is the training ground of trusting him. That's the first thing. The second, the disciples will receive the promised Holy Spirit. Uh, have a look, I've highlighted it there, but you will receive power, verse 8, when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Uh, they will receive him. That's what's promised. And the power of the Lord Jesus for what they are about to do will be given through the Spirit. We'll come back to that in a minute. The third thing is, and I've highlighted it again, uh, you will be my witnesses, Jesus says to them. And you can almost hear the people who are there with him saying this out loud to each other, saying it to him. Did you just say we're going to be about to do this? They will be eyewitnesses to Jesus' life and death and resurrection. They will be God's messengers. Uh, the apostles in the first place, God's sent ones, that's what apostle means. But as people chosen by Jesus, in this unique time and place in history, they are going to be the messengers that God's kingdom has arrived. Now, do you remember uh, where these people were at when Jesus first met them when they first met him uh, they were ordinary people uh, some fishermen some tax collectors all of them broken and sinners just like you and me and in God's plan and this catches us totally by surprise he uses them and he says to them you will carry my gospel, my good news, in ever-widening circles, like the ripples from a stone dropped in the water. No collusion going on between Raluca and I here, but anyway. Uh, this message will be carried in ever-widening circles, and here is where it will travel to. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In one sense, uh, I suspect we've got used to this idea. We, we're sort of used to the idea of uh, the message about the king and the kingdom going to the whole world. But previously, and the expectations of the first disciples was the whole world would come to Jerusalem, come physically to Jerusalem. Now, God sends the message out to gather people far and wide so that ultimately we might be gathered together in the heavenly Jerusalem. What happens in the rest of Acts is really uh, uh, shaped by these words just here. It follows the pattern of verse 8. As the messengers uh, start in Jerusalem in chapters 1 to 7, as the message spreads to Judea and Samaria in uh, chapter 8, as it progresses to the ends of the world, starting in chapter 9. Acts will follow the witnesses and their intrigues. It will see them come up against 
seemingly insurmountable barriers. But likewise, it will see God overcome every one of those barriers to see his kingdom grow. You see, even in these opening verses of Acts, we see the kingdom of God isn't a plot of ground. Uh, it's not a nation like uh, you know, Judea or Israel of their day or Australia of our day. It's actually a spiritual kingdom, a kingdom inhabited by every person who accepts the message that Jesus is Lord. A kingdom where its inhabitants live side by side with those who aren't yet part of this kingdom, at least for the time being. Well, back in verse 8, when they received their marching orders, after that, then Jesus ascended into heaven before their eyes. It's remarkable in one sense how little (laughs) is said about this, isn't it? Uh, As if to say... Don't focus on the wrong thing. And you can imagine the disciples standing there, looking up into the clouds, going, hey, this is way cool, because that's how they spoke back then. Uh, But even as they, they stand looking up into heaven, they get, it, as it were, a tap on the shoulder from God. And they get told, hey, you haven't got time to stand here looking up into heaven. Look to the people and the urgency of the message of the king's kingdom spreading far and wide here on earth. With Jesus coming back, there is a time limit and they needed to get on with it. Uh, There are lost people down here who need to hear from the witnesses. Well, of course, before that comes to pass, They're told, they were told, we read it, they needed to wait for the Spirit and that's exactly what they do from verse 12. Their first response to Jesus' command is to obey and their second is to pray. So what you can read on after our reading is that they return to Jerusalem uh, where they were told to stay, wait for the Holy Spirit to come and together with this infant band of followers, 120 we're told, they pray. What might they have prayed? Prayed for the kingdom and its growth, I expect, uh, given what Jesus has said, given who he is. Uh, And also, I imagine, they might have prayed, if you're going to use us, Lord, then please strengthen us. Uh, Do you find that it's when you feel inadequate that you're most likely to pray? And I know for me, that's just my feelings catching up with the reality that I am inadequate and that I always need to pray. Only God has the power to do what needs to be done, to do anything. And at the same time, he longs to bless us and bless us with answers to prayers such as these. While they waited, they prayed. The other thing is that they recognised they had to select another apostle, one to replace Judas. And while we're not going to dwell on this for long, what we do see uh, that's helpful just to spend a moment at is looking at the criteria for the apostles. And so we read from verse 21. 
Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. These are eyewitnesses, people who can say, I saw it happen with my own eyes. What Jesus did and what he taught, I saw him alive and then dead and then alive again. And so in Acts, we need to be reminded that you can't just lift the events of Acts and expect them to unfold quite the same way today. Many are descriptive rather than prescriptive. They describe what happened rather than prescribe what should happen time and again. And of course, the beginning of God's kingdom can only happen once. In our day, the eyewitnesses are dead. We are not eyewitnesses. We haven't seen Jesus alive or crucified or risen. But we can expect Jesus to continue to act and teach by his spirit through these eyewitnesses, the same eyewitnesses, because what they saw they wrote down here in our Bibles, whether they wrote it themselves or they explained it to writers like Luke. And we, we have the privilege to point others to what the witnesses saw. And as we do... People see the kingdom of God. As we do, people see the king of God's kingdom. As we do, people see the Lord over all. Now, if you turn your uh, Bible, Acts chapter 2, just from 1 to 10, uh, with the coming of the Spirit, we won't spend long here, but I will read it for you. It's not on the slides, sorry, but Acts 2, reading from verse 1, uh, the promise that God made that he would send his spirit on them uh, is fulfilled. Went to verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, uh, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were staying. Uh, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't these uh, all... Uh, all these who are speaking Galileans, then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? And of course, there's always someone in the crowd. Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. 
That's good wine, you know, if it can get you to speak in another language. Uh, God's promise of the Spirit, like his other promises that are fulfilled in Jesus, is fulfilled here. And what he does is the scattering, the scattering of people and into different languages that began right near the beginning of the Bible in Babel. Here we see that being reversed as the message of the king of the kingdom can be understood in different languages, God is reversing the scattering by gathering again. His mission has begun. And now we are here today. Nearly 2,000 years later, inheritors of this gospel message, hearers of God the Father's great invitation. And many of us trust the risen Lord Jesus, rely on him and his saving work on the cross for forgiveness from God. That, that means we too are empowered by the Holy Spirit to live for Jesus and are subjects of the kingdom of God. Uh, it's as simple as turning to him uh, with a change of heart and a new dependence. And flowing out of that, we have, uh, as we've been made God's children by him, we have our vision statement as a church, a summary of what we long for, what the heart of God longs for, seeing lives transformed through Jesus. Now, this is our way of trying to uh, put something together that, that just is simple and easy to remember. Uh, as it shapes and sharpens how we act, as it helps us to, to decide what we say yes to, uh, and on some occasions what we say no to. Uh, of course, we put these words together ourselves, but it's actually to express uh, the God-given uh, DNA that we have at work in us. It's expressed in different ways and, and play, in different places throughout the Bible. But have a think back to Acts 1 that we've been looking at today. And who is on the front foot? It is God who is active. It is God who is bringing about his plans. It is God who has moved toward us. And where do his plans point? Straight to the Lord Jesus, the King and his kingdom. We are his because of what he has done for us. And we're together because gathering people to himself, that is God's ultimate plan. But not only that, he gives us this other privilege that we may be co-workers with him. Together as a church, uh, individually as Christians, each one of us uh, are here today because this is the way God builds his kingdom. Uh, maybe in your case it was your parents uh, who introduced you to Jesus. Maybe it was a friend. Maybe it was a spouse. Maybe it was someone knocking on the door. In fact, if your experience is anything like mine, he used a whole bunch of people in different ways to gather you to himself. And I'm not just talking here about people, uh, how people come to be Christians. I'm not talking about 
I'm also talking about how they grow as Christians as well. Through the timely word, through the costly giving of time, that prayer that we know about and perhaps so many that we don't. God has not only saved us and given us the new life we didn't deserve and couldn't earn, he's included us in his ongoing plans to announce the king and his kingdom. You might have got up this morning thinking it was just an ordinary day. Uh, But actually, when we recognise who we are, in light of what God has done for us, there's no such thing as an ordinary day in these days. Every day is a kingdom day, a new life day, a day in which we live the new life, a day in which others might join us in new life, a day in which others and we together may grow in this new life. Acts is only the beginning, but as God's plan begins this side of Easter in Acts. So he continues in and through us. Praise God for that.